story of FC Cincinnati just runs and runs. Will it never have another chapter? They've uh, put themselves in the perfect position here. What's up guys a special guest tonight almost a year to the day from when he joined us last year uh we're happy to have sam stay school with us uh from Nailed the it. athletic I, I almost i stuttered a little bit but i'll own that <laughs> <laughs> but uh he's with the athletic a staff writer for the athletic and just as importantly he's got his own podcast allocation disorder with one paul tenorio a weekly listen for myself. Actually, listened to yesterday's episode on the way home from work tonight. So, good to have you with us, buddy. Appreciate yeah, you coming thanks, on. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for thanks for listening to the show. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you didn't it didn't make your ears bleed or anything like that. Oh, you guys are uh, you guys are an easy list, listen, and I'll give you credit in the sense that you're way more informative than most, um, well, which is a pretty- it is. It is our full-time job, so we should hopefully be <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But so, thank uh, you. Thank you very much. It's kind of and uh, with us tonight, too, Travis is taking care of the kiddos right now, so I've got Mr. Buckridge. Steve, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. Doing great. Prost to everyone. Uh, Sam, delighted to have you on tonight. And boy, it's a lot of topics to talk about with you, right? No shortage, that's for sure. Absolutely. Especially, yeah, considering all that's happened in the past 72 hours, to say the least. So, dive right into it. Obviously, the CBA is front and front and foremost. Um, you know, listening to your pod, Sam, and just everything that kind of just has come out in terms of the details and the nitty-gritty, most of it's out. Um, I think the only thing we still have a little bit of clarity, yet to get clarity on, is the young DP rule and what that actually counts for. Um, but hopefully you have some insight on that. We'll dive in that in a minute. But... What was your, I guess, your biggest takeaway um, with getting the CBA done and, you know, stretching out to 2027? Yeah, I mean, not to be totally obvious, um, but the biggest takeaway is that, you know, no work stoppage. Um, and like you just said, it extending the CBA two more years to 2027, um, you know, getting a little bit of space and a little bit of distance from the news of the agreement. Like, I totally understand why the players would go for something like that. Um, you know, the typical run-of-the-mill average MLS player, right? The standard MLS player. Um, let's say he's 27 and making 150 k a year. He's probably going to prioritize keeping all 150000 of those dollars in 2021 over whatever happens to the league in 2026 or 2027 um, because he might not be around then uh, in MLS. Right? So I, I get it from that standpoint. Um, there are some things that you know, affect the salary cap in every year of the deal, not just in 26 and 27. Um, but I think the union got some meaningful givebacks. But if I had to guess, 
I think extending the CBA for two years and deferring the gains um, that typically come when you negotiate a new CBA by an additional two years, um, especially when those gains might include a potential post-World Cup bump, I would say that the owners probably got more than they gave. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of the high-level takeaways. And if we want to dive into any of the nitty-gritty, I'm happy to do that too. Yeah, Sam, that, that seemed to be the the owner's objective from the onset is that extension of two years. And you guys hit it so well in your Twitter posts and on, on the podcast. Um, I mean, they, they, they kind of knew what you just said is most of the players need their salary. And the players wanted to preserve that 2021 salary without a cut. I like how you guys put it in your article yesterday is that the players were on defense in these talks, right? The owners put them on defense. I almost pictured when I was reading that, I pictured them calling Yop Stom and saying, hey, put us in a low block at MLS's back and, and get us out of this, right? <laughs> well, if they could have defended like that, then, you know, I think they would have been really happy with the final outcome because they wouldn't have given up anything, right? Um, right. No, But, yeah, I think that's a good way to think of it, honestly. And, you know, I, I can't claim originality for that, that turn of phrase. Um, you know, a source mentioned it to me. But, you know, in a normal... In a normal CBA negotiation, right, the players are fighting for gains. They're like, how far can we take this? And in the last, not just this one, but the one in June too, right, it's working backwards. It's the owners that are fighting to take some stuff back. And the union's objective is to kind of limit how much they can take. Um, and if you're not willing to withhold your labor, which it doesn't really seem like the union is, right, at least not for the conditions that that we're up for discussion this time around, um, then, you know, the owners are going to be able to take a decent amount. Uh, and I think that's what happened here. Um, although I think both sides would argue um, that their top priorities were fulfilled, being from the league side, the extension of two years, and from the union side, the, the maintenance of 100% of salaries in 21. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that, that – you know, just to listen to you guys and just, you know, thinking through it. And we've, we've talked about this, me and Steven and Travis before, you know, a lot of these owners are professional owners. They own other franchises, other professional sports teams, and, and they're used to this kind of negotiation. Um, but what's different about MLS is, is a quarter of your league, 20 to 25% of your league is, is your everyday guy, the salary wise. You know, they don't, they, some of them don't have a second source of income. Some of them have kids at home. You guys hit it on the pod in terms of mortgages and rent and, and your livelihood. And, and you really couldn't yeah. afford, you can't afford the work stoppage and you can't afford it during a pandemic. And, you know, it's not like these guys, I'm sure they go get part-time jobs. We're not talking about Kurt Warner bagging groceries here. It's, it's a little different, <laughs> right? It's a little different. And even if they wanted to do that, it's harder to do it now than it was a year Absol ago, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's not like these guys can go bust out a soccer camp in, you know, <laughs> in the mid of winter. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it, that was the biggest thing is from the players' union, they really had to take care of, I don't say the little guy, but take care of the everyday player in MLS and, and the guys that are on a league minimum or, you know, and just entering the league and those veterans that are making that to your point, they're not going to be here in four or five years. You know, right. you, they had to look for, look out for themselves right now. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway. And then, as you said, just with World Cup 2026 and just extending that past that, that gives the owners a little bit more leverage um, to just kind of recoup some of those gains. I, I think that kind of offset this past year 
with the hope in 2027, 2026, and 2027 that they gain that that income back to an extent. Um, I just wish they would have upped the salary budget more. Um, you know, the way the league's growing, and, and I'll get some thoughts from you on that, the way the league's growing, you would think they would get a little bit more aggressive once you're kind of, I don't want to say confident, but once you, you're hopeful that you're past the pandemic in 24, 25, 26, that you're really ramping up to get some superstars, additional superstars into the league entering the World Cup. But, but any additional thoughts there? Yeah, well, I mean, they can always add spending, right? That's, I think, the important thing to remember um, when it comes to, to the salary budget. I mean, the salary budget decreased, right, year True. From, from what it was in June, and that was a decrease from what it was in February. Um, you know, I think it rises as high. The, the salary budgets, I think it goes as high as, like, $7 million and total spends, like, 13 or something like that. I might have that wrong. It's been, it's been a long day, so I might be yeah. misremembering the numbers. Um, but it's not that high. But as you guys are well aware in Cincinnati now this week, um, there are ways to go over those amounts. Um, and, you know, and the league can always add extra spending after the fact. I know this predates FCC, but, you know, when the MLS added TAM, they did it like four months after they settled the CBA negotiation back in 2015, which was kind of, I mean, if I was a member of the union, it would have been infuriating because the league just added all this new money that goes to players that weren't in the union, right? They're going to players outside the league. Um, and I just finished a CBA negotiation, but that's a separate thing. Um, so MLS could do that again. There are protections in the CBA to make sure if MLS adds discretionary spending uh, over the top of what's what's been agreed to uh, in the terms of the deal, that like 40% of it has to be in the salary budget. Um, so there are protections there for the players that are in the union now. Um, but they can always add more if, if things are going well. Now, they don't have to add more, right? Um, so th that runs a little bit of the risk. I mean, there's this eternal debate in MLS and American soccer of, you know, how fast should the league be trying to grow, right? And how aggressive should it be? And it's no secret to anyone that's, like, read anything I've written or listened to a podcast that I've done that I usually fall on the aggressive side needs to be more aggressive. Um, but MLS has this model, slow and steady, incremental, safe for the most part. Um, and, you know, that's left it on stable footing. It's protected. Um, some owners, I think, that aren't so ambitious. Um, it's put a limit on some owners that are more ambitious, um, which I think is a bit of a shame. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kept the league afloat and it's put it, I think MLS would argue in a decent position for the future. Sam, you, you mentioned the opportunity and ways to, to spend more than their spending limits. And, you know, it, the, the updated CBA information didn't really touch on the U22 initiative any further, but can you maybe kind of unravel that for us a little bit about sure. how the league is focusing these teams and what we're seeing it, obviously, like you said, in Cincinnati this week with young DPs and U22s, how, how can teams do that? And, and spend yeah. more in these, uh, these, these necessary limits. So the, the DPs, right, it's a little bit different than the U22 initiative. So U22 initiative is basically you can sign a player who's 22 or younger, uh, and you can spend whatever you want on the transfer fee, and it won't count towards your cap figure, right, as long as the player makes underneath a certain threshold, which we've been told not officially, but unofficially is like the maximum budget charge which this year is 
$612,500, as if anyone needed that specific level of detail. Um, <laughs> but here we are. Um, so that's, that's what the U22 initiative is. It's basically designed so that the league can go out and sign young players who they can hopefully sell on for profit to European clubs, most likely, um, without having to spend DP spots on them. Um, now, the young DP is different than that. Um, those guys take a DP spot. Um, and, th and that's what that's what the new boy in Cincinnati is going to be. And that's what he's going to take up, um, you know, at least for the time being. Uh, that's what they announced to Mass. So uh, Brenner will be one of three designated players. And he won't be in one of those under-22 spots. Gotcha. How many U twenty two spots? We saw what three a year ago. They talked about, but you had yeah, to have, it looks, it had three looks like it's gonna be guys. three. It's gonna be yeah. three again. It looks like you know there was some chatter about lim like increasing the number of spots or limiting the number of U twenty two spots based on on how many like standard non young DPS you had on your team. <laughs> um, but it looks like it's just gonna be flat and three for everyone based on the limited amount of information that the league is sort of trickling out about. Makes sense. Well, I guess we'll, we'll kind of dive into this too, since we're on the subject. What are your thoughts on Brenner? Just, you know, raw, yeah. raw I mean, thoughts. I, I can't say that I've, I've ever watched him play a full game. I've seen the same one minute highlight video that everybody else has. <laughs> um, <laughs> He, That's how we do looked, it now. He looked pretty good in that. Um, you know, he's got a good goal record. Um, I would say that that's positive. You know, he, I think he was 10th in the Brazilian League in goals um, this season uh, with like 11 and 27 matches. So that's pretty positive. You know, I, I was talking to a scout um, who was somewhat familiar with him. You know, and his, his report was, you know, technical, smart in the box, good speed. Uh, he's, he's kind of alert. In the box, he's alert to the finish, right? So right place, right time. Um, not the strongest guy. Um, he said, well, the scout said that one of his colleagues feels that Brenner needs a strong team setup behind him, um, yeah. that he's that he's really relying on service. And, and without it, he, he might struggle. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big question mark then for Cincinnati is who's going to be able to provide him that service. Um so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the scouting report that I've been able to cobble together. Uh, in terms of the move itself, it's pretty amazing. You know, $13 million plus a couple more and potential uh, bonuses if he, hits, if he hits some performance benchmarks. You know, this is the third biggest transfer fee in MLS history. And, you know, if you had told me a week and a half ago that the third biggest transfer fee in MLS history was going to be paid by FC Cincinnati, I probably would have laughed at you. Um, so credit to the club for going for it um is it gonna work i don't know because if you if you look at if you look at the list of biggest transfer fees in mls history the success rate is not good <laughs> it's not um, great so and a lot of that is because a lot of these guys are younger players and younger players are inherently riskier right you don't know exactly what you're getting um you don't know how they're gonna adjust oftentimes it's the first time the guy's lived out of his, his home country uh, maybe he doesn't speak english that well these are all things that will probably apply to brenner and, you know, to say nothing of the fact that culturally, Sao Paulo and Cincinnati are just a little bit different. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, it's going to be an adjustment. And, you know, we'll see if he gets the service. We'll see how it goes. Um, but when you spend $13 million on a guy, 
and you're the GM and the head coach, you're sticking your neck out. Uh, this is a risk. This is a gamble. They're, you know, listening to Gerard Nykamp earlier today. You know, he's talking like the idea is to sell him on at some point for a profit. And I'm sure that's what they sold him on. I doubt, you know, players like this, they're regardless of nationality or where they're going to in MLS or where they're coming from. They want to go to Europe and excel. Um, and, and he'll want to do that, I'm sure. Um, so we'll see. You know, it's a risk. It's a gamble. But I love it. You know, go for it. And uh, you guys don't need me to tell you how bad the first two years were. Um, they need they need they need something to change in a in a major major way particularly as they get ready to open the stadium um and they're trying to make that happen so i appreciate the the ambition for sure yeah i think as as fans we we appreciate and been looking for that ambition and that spent but like you said just because you spend money doesn't mean it's going to relate to productivity right um and, and some of those big spends haven't haven't always uh, panned out and with our current roster, it's great to have, I think Hunter Freeman called him to your point, fox in the box is how he's referred to Brenner. Very smart in the box, right? But uh, without that service, you mentioned it, without the service, what can we expect from him? Is it, uh, you know, is it a six goals per, per year? Or is it uh, 10 goals per year? And, and that's that's the big thing. And maybe you can join in on this, but that, you know, do we have the service? We didn't have the service for Herbal County this last year. Uh, 13 million spend on, on Brenner's great, but what's that next move? What's that next puzzle piece move going to be? Yeah, well, if you get PT Martinez, that would probably help. Um, you know, he wasn't very well, good. What, in what are you hearing, Sam? Yeah, what uh, are you hearing? I'm not hearing anything anything beyond what's already out there. Uh, you know, I think for listeners who aren't aware, Gerard Nykamp said today. You know, he was asked about it today, and he wouldn't say anything specifically about PT, but he did say that they're in in talks for to move up in the allocation order so you know they're if they're in talks to move up in the allocation order they're doing that for a reason and that reason would be to try and get somebody on the allocation list um pt martinez is on that list so maybe they're going after him we'll see um but yeah i would expect them to make another move um maybe another couple of moves uh how exactly they they swing that is I think TBD. <laughs> we'll see what happens with Lacadia. Um, I think that's a pretty pretty big outstanding question at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean they they need to figure out a way to improve the entire team, right? It can't just be Brenner. And, and even if no. he wasn't just a guy who relied on service, even if he was a guy that could do it all by himself, it can't just be Brenner, right? The pressure, um, the pressure on a young guy like that. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure, but I think a lot of pressure is fine. Right, like he's coming. Sao Paulo is a big club. He's coming from a big club. He's a starting striker. Right. He's he's dealt with pressure before. Yeah, Brazil um, under Brazil under seventeen, under nineteen. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and like it's not. So it's not like he's he's not accustomed to that. So I think pressure is fine. This will be a slightly different kind of pressure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can't just be him. There needs to be some service, and I think what we saw, certainly what we saw last year, wasn't good enough in that regard. Um, but that being said, new year, hopefully a more normal year, first full year under a Um, you know, maybe things will improve a little bit, even without new signings and willing to give the benefit of the doubt after 2020. Um, but I do think they need some additional help. Yeah. That's, uh, which kind of segues in the last little piece is this, this talk of, you know, a significant offer on the table for Frankie Amaya. Um, you know, I don't know how true it is, but you know, the sources itself were pretty solid. Any thoughts on that in terms of what the club potentially turned down, which, you know, a lot of allocation money they could use really 
right now to, to kind of plug some holes. Um, any scope on that? Yeah. Uh, I was the one that actually reported that along with a couple of my colleagues. So quite a bit of scope on that one. Um, yeah, it was, it was close to a million in allocation money spread out over a couple of years from what I was told. Um, and that was kind of straight from a horse's mouth in this situation. Um, mm. So you can take that for what it's worth. Uh, that's a lot to turn down. Um, but, you know, that's an indication that they really believe in Amaya. Um, and I think rightfully so. He's a good player. He's a talented player. And I think if you surround him with more talent, he will look better than even he has in his first two years. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he's a good player. I don't know if this story is done. I think there might be some more news coming at some point this mm-hmm. offseason with Amaya. Um, but we'll see. I can't really say much more than that right now. That's fair. Uh, we've got a lot of... An allocation spot, possibly? Blake no. once or twice. Yeah. I mean, if it went for it, 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 if it was for moving up in the allocation order, there would have to be money, a significant mm-hmm. amount of money attached to it. Those spots are typically valued. Oh man, I'm testing my memory here. I feel like around two hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand. Oh, yeah. Actually, probably more than that. It's like three, three or four hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but even with that, if they're turning down close to a million over a couple of years in allocation money then it's going to take more than the number one allocation spot to move up. You, uh, with, with opening that, <laughs> that basket, uh, you know, something I always keep in mind is we do have this quote unquote partnership with Hoffenheim. And then obviously, you know, and I guess we've created one with, with Sao Paulo as well. Um, I don't know what that looks like. We haven't really, you know, we had obviously a Hoffenheim player come over from Hoff too. um, and Kovacic this past season, but he played mm-hmm. one game in a monsoon in Miami. So, <laughs> and, you know, Hoff 2, he came from Hoff 2, which is in the fourth division of, of German right, soccer. So, yeah, so it's not even kind of a real, you know, balance there. But, but it's interesting on Frankie. It's something that, you know, he's a fan favorite, uh, obviously. Um, he's been, you know, consistent for what it's worth. And I was at the MLS draft in Chicago when he was taken number one overall, you know, he was, when he was drafted as the milk fielder by one friend of ours, old Mr. Garber. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Frankie and Maya milk fielder, UCLA. I, uh, uh, I, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was Live there. TV, so. baby. Yeah. I was there too. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. So, but yeah, we, we love Frankie and you know, his, uh, his family seems to love FC Cincinnati and you know, it's, Wherever he goes, we'll support him. So it's just something, as you said, to keep our eyes on. So definitely something that's piqued our interest. Um, we'll let you go. But one last thing, as we always do with the guest, any questions for us? Anything you want to ask Stephen and I in terms of the season itself and our our perspective on FC Cincinnati right now and what we expect? Yeah, what? where is FC Cincinnati going to finish in the East next year? I'll let uh, I'll let Stephen go first, and then I'll I'll finalize. I just need like a quick fire answer here. Quick fire answer, not I'm putting you on the spot. Not not 14th, but until we get a DP 10 and another center back, we're still kind of in that 11 to 13 range. Okay, I'll go. Uh, just like last year, I'll go a little bit more optimistic than that. Um, the ownership knows they have to spend. This fan base was is not happy. Was not happy, myself included. I'll say eighth. Um, okay. I'll say well, we flirt with the playoffs. We're not quite there, um, but there's some significant improvement. And you're going to have glimpses of, of great matches and glimpses of 20, 2019 and 2020. So. Huh? There you have it, folks. 
You heard it here first. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm uh, sorry. I flipped the script. No. That's okay. <laughs> I like That's it. Right. That's the whole, like the whole it. point. Um, we appreciate you coming on, as always. Um, if you're ever down here, you know, whether it's pandemic, post-pandemic, whatever it may be. We've got this. <laughs> yeah, apparently- hopefully I can get out to the stadium yeah, exactly. yeah. this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens with COVID. But yeah, um, you're yeah, not too I hope far to be able to get out there. Yeah, yeah, too, yeah. Well, exactly. No, the drive isn't too bad. So yeah, made it many a time. But we appreciate it uh, as always. Until next time, and uh, cheers, guys. Prost, as Stephen yeah. would say. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Everyone, yeah, yeah, thanks, guys. Prost. You too. Appreciate it, buddy. This story of FC Cincinnati just runs and runs. Will it ever have another chapter? If, uh, themselves in the perfect position here.